All right. So we have uh, a very exciting announcement. The ruling body of the elders have come to a decision for the appointment of our new pastor. Would the elders, uh, Kevin Iacona and Ed Brassberger, please come forward. For anyone who doesn't know, which Kevin be kind of hard to forget, and Ed. We, the Board of Calvary Chapel Low Country, have appointed Dan Tuttle as our new senior pastor. Amen. Dan and Susie, can you please come up for the anointing and the appointment? Pastor Dan, do you and Susie accept this appointment and all the responsibilities that come with it? We do. Now we're going to do it's it's symbolic, but it's 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 a heart it's heart. It's not just something fake. This is this is real and it's we're calling on the spirit. And in that we will anoint Dan, the senior pastor, and Susie as in her position as wife of the senior pastor. Now let's all bow our heads and our hearts and pray. Heavenly Father, you have made it abundantly clear that Dan and Susie have been placed here for this time, for this purpose, Lord. They are appointed and anointed by you, Lord, not by my hand. And Lord, we just pray for unity in the entire body and a joy that you have moved. This is your time, Lord. Give it to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, our God, we do thank you for this time, Lord. It's a new day. Mm. It's a new day when we can all rejoice, Lord, that your work continues. Nothing Amen. stopped. Your work is continuing. Thank you. So we ask for a blessing upon this day, Lord. We ask for your will to be done in each and every one of our lives. And may we all care about each other deeply, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, we just thank you for raising up your servants to serve you, Lord God, Dan and Susie. And Lord, in serving you, they will serve others, Lord. They will serve this congregation, Lord God. I pray that your hand will be upon Dan as he's called to be the shepherd of your flock. You are the good shepherd, Lord God. But Lord, raise up Dan, continue to raise up Dan to feed us and, and shepherd us mm. in your word and in your truths, Lord God. I pray for a fresh touch from you and the filling of the Holy Spirit and anoint both of them. In Jesus' mm -hmm. name we pray, amen. 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 Praise God, amen. And I, I wanna present to you your elders of this fellowship. Uh, I wanna pray for them and lay hands on them as one of my first acts as leading as your pastor is to commission them for your needs, for wherever they are. You have, a, you have a voice in this fellowship. You have a voice to come and to approach, first of all, God, but also me, and that we can sit back and use this uh, time 
to draw near to one another. Scripture tells us that draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. So that's our desire. Draw near to God. So I'm going to take these men and I'm going to anoint them with oil. Now they are becoming your ruling board, the elders, uh, the ones who are the spiritual. You have a spiritual concern. You can bring them to them or to myself. And so, Mike, do you accept this place as being an elder of this fellowship? I do. Kevin, do you accept this place yes. as being an elder of this fellowship? I do. Ed, do you accept this place and this position as being elder of this fellowship to govern and to watch over the flock and to protect the flock? Mm. Yes, I do. I anoint you now and I touch with the symbolism of the Holy Spirit on each one of you. Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for their desire, Lord, to be uh, a light upon a hill. Lord, to be a light to the flock, to be uh, an example to believers. Lord, to have guidance and wisdom. Lord, for direction and correction, Lord. Mm. So I take, uh, Lord, my brothers here now, and I thank you for the unity, Lord, as it was, as the oil that ran down Aaron's beard, Lord, that we would draw together as men to lead and to guide and to protect the flock, Lord. We ask your blessing now and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. All right, praise God, you know, new day, new hope, new beginning. So if you would open up your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 1 Peter. You know, 1 Peter is a very unique book in the respect that it's very relevant to where uh, we are in, in that the church there was under attack. It was uh, a place where um, it was perilous times. The people that were in the fellowship and they were a part of the body of Christ at that time, they were being killed. And it's been estimated that, and you know that the beginnings of the church were a, a conglomeration of Jew and Gentile. So this is a, a conglomeration of believers who have put their hope and trust in Jesus. And what's taken place is that Nero has been butchering the church. Nero has been killing uh, and it's been estimated at this point that almost 6 million Christians had been killed. Pray, pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you. We come here today to hear this message that you have. Lord, one of, of Lord, uh, hope. One of future, as Jeremiah would say. So, Lord, we ask that you would give us that uh, heart's desire. I pray for the fellowship that... that they would hear the message in the message. Lord, there's, there's things that I may say, but there's things that you want to say. And I pray that, Father, it's in between those lines. And many, many times in, in the Hebrew, Lord, it's in between the spaces where the real message is. And I pray that, Father, as this comes out and it's coming forth, that, Lord, the, the church would hear what the Spirit of God says to the church, Lord. So I pray for the blessing of, of our hearing and learning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if anyone needed hope at this time, it was the believers. If anybody needed encouragement at this time, it was the believers. And so that's the same for us here today. We need, we need encouragement. We need hope. And so that's why we come. We come to hear the counsel of the Holy Spirit. 
We can come to hear the counsel of God's word to us. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus had many disciples. And out of those disciples, he chose 12 to be his apostles. And Peter was one of those apostles. And so Peter begins his message here uh, to the church, which was on the run. It was a message to them while they were on the run. And he begins by saying in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God by the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. You know, Peter was considered an unlearned man, but yet at the same time, most all Jewish boys, they grew up and they were they were mentored and they had a teacher. And so we can see that, you know, Peter, even though he was a fisherman and he was rough, tough and hard to bluff kind of guy, he still had an understanding of the principles of the kingdom of God. And so he says to the pilgrims, uh, the dispersion, we see the, the cities, we see the elect, we see the foreknowledge of God, the sanctification of the spirit, obedience. That's a boogie batch of stuff that Peter's hitting us with with the first the first two verses. The first thing that we look at and we see is different here is the word apostle. The, the apostle, the word apostle basically literally means in the Greek, one sent forth with orders. So he's declaring, I am one that's sent forth with orders. If any of you, and I know that Zach is and many of the other guys and Reggie and the guys that have been in the military, you get orders and you get them from your commander and you need to obey them. If you don't, uh, you're in big trouble. Well, these guys were sent forth with orders out of love. I'm going to tell you, the motivation of every one of the, of the disciples and apostles was love. And they went and, and went to these different locations because of love. Well, here they're now being persecuted. And we look at this as, as, as these uh, uh, apostles went out. They were instructed to give the message of Jesus Christ to the world. They were instructed to give his heart, his mind, and, and his, his actions to them. He was basically giving them the, the gospel. We know that the word gospel bas- basically means good news. To give them the good news that there's hope now. And the hope lies in the death, resurrection, and soon return of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. Our hope that we believe and we hope now for a future that's in Christ. And that's the message that he gave to them. And they were to turn around and bring it to the church and to pass it on. But notice here that Peter, he just says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. No mention of being a vicar. No mention of being the pontiff. No mention of that. He just says, I'm an apostle. I'm one that's sent with orders. I'm sent out to bring this message. And that was his position. Also, he addresses the dispersion of the pilgrims and how they were they were running for their lives. Basically, that's what was happening. So in this, there's a big discussion about who these people were. We'll get to that in a little bit because there's something about this that we see here in these first two verses that Peter reveals who they are. So we'll, we'll dig into that in a minute. But it's interesting that these cities that he mentions here are cities that were uh, given the gospel. The gospel message went up through these cities as they were dispersed. And in it, you can see that it was the persecution of the church 
that really caused uh, the, the gospel to be spread and to go out. It's like if you take a, a pond of water and if you hit it, it goes poof. And that's exactly what happened to the church. The church had been, had been hit, had been smacked. And they were running for their lives. And, and in the, I think it's great is that you share from where you are. You share from where you are. You, whatever you're going through, share from where you are. Uh, the Lord will be speaking. And he was speaking through them to these people as they were being dispersed and as they went. And then he introduces something here in verse 2 that's been a controversy with many Christians for many years. So much so that any, some have even uh, forsaken fellowship with other believers. And that's the word election. It's a, it's a conver, conver, um, controversial word. The word basically means chosen, special. So he's saying here, the, you people, you dispersion, you're, you're elect, you're chosen, you're special. And, and I, and I want to say that's for us today too. That's for us here. You're chosen by God. He's looked at you and you're special. Sometimes we don't feel so much, but he does. He looks at us and he has, he has a heart for us. He's on our side. And so the election of the dispersion here is to comfort the body, not to cause a division in the body. Election should bring us together. It shouldn't divide us. And so we, we have to be careful of that. It's to remind us that we are chosen by him and that we're special. But I want you to notice how our election is qualified according to the knowledge of God. Our election is qualified by the foreknowledge of God. In other words, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows who you were even before you were born. He knows where your life is going to go. He chooses you because he sees your heart has chosen him. So you have been elected because God saw in his foreknowledge ahead of time that you were going to say, yes, Jesus. You know, the question is that is going to be asked, what did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus when he was presented to you? Some will say, you know what, oh, he was a good man. Oh, he was a good, you know, rabbi and all this. You know, uh, Jesus asked him, he said, who do men say that I am, right? Do you remember that? Some say you're John, some say this, some say you're the prophet. And he turns and he says to Peter, but who do you? See, that's the point. Who do you? Say that I am. And Peter said, you are the Mashiach Nagid. You are the Messiah King. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Our flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father was it. It's what you acknowledge. It's what your relationship is. What you see. It matters. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It only matters what you see and what you say about your king. And our king is Jesus. So the qualification is based upon that very fact. When you saw the Messiah king, that he would die for you, what did it do to you? When you saw that someone loved you even while you were as messed up as you were, what did it do to you? Did it touch your heart? Did it break you? Did it show you that someone loved you in spite of you? You ever been there? You ever needed that love in spite of who you are? And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He's loved you in spite of you. And he still loves you in spite of you. 
in spite of who we are. But see, he saw us from that foreknowledge, and that foreknowledge basically is this of God, and it it describes him in, in this way. He lives outside of time and space. He lives outside of this this linear universe that we live on. Okay, we go down the street. We're here over there. Uh, measure by the time. What time is this? And we all have this linear idea of, of life. But that's not God. God lives outside of time and space. He is not limited. He's chosen to come into our linear place. But He is outside of that. He is past, present, and future where He lives All is simultaneous right now. The beginning and the end has already been there. It's already the same to him. Where can I go from your presence, the psalmist says. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I go to the ends of the earth, you're there. Where can I flee from your presence? The presence of God is is eternal. The foreknowledge of God is eternal. So when he looked at the foundations of the world that he saw his son, he had creation in his mind to create creation. He already knew what Adam was going to do. Why did he do what he did? If he knew that, if you knew something was going to fall apart before you started it, would you start it? God's different. He saw the end from the beginning and he had a plan. Even before he started, he had a plan. And the plan was they need a redeemer. And the son, praise God, I will, I will take that. And the Holy Spirit is there saying, I will enforce that. I will lift them up. I, I can see the unity of the kingdom of the heavens coming together in creation. God knew before the beginning what was going to happen. And he still did it. That's grace, isn't it? That's grace. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. He gives us life. He gives us life. So God has chosen in his foreknowledge to elect and save us. He sits in the high position of eternity. I I want you to grab that. He sits in the high position of eternity. And he sees you before you were born. He sees you where you are now. And he sees where you're going to be. And he's and Jesus promises us that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He's with you. He's here. Do you know that he is? You may not sense or know, but he's here. Wherever two are gathered, we know that verse. Wherever two are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. He's right here. Do you know he's listening to you? He's seeing your thoughts. He's, he's talking to you. He, he's speaking to you. He's convicting you. The Holy Spirit's witnessing to you of who he is. He's your savior. He's your king. I love Hebrew. <laughs> I love Hebrew words. Moshiach Nagid. Oh. You want to say that? It's fun to say. Let's say it together. Moshiach Nagid. You know what that is? That's Messiah King. Is he your Moshiach Nagid? Yeah, he is. He's my king. He's my wonderful king that chose to step down from his throne and rescue me. And you. That's our God. That's our King. That's who He is. But I want you to knows, uh, notice here, along with our election, there's a cause and effect that goes along with that election. And there in verse 2, it's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The word sanctification basically means to be cleansed, 
to be set apart. You have been cleansed by the washing of God's blood there on the cross. You're, washing, you're being washed today by the word and cleansed by the word by the spirit of God. It has nothing to do with what I do. It has everything to what he does. To be set apart, to be separated to God. Now this is not going to be a verse that comes up, but I added it here, and I'm sorry I didn't tell Mike ahead of time, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. If you have your Bibles, you can go there if you want, or just take a note and read it later. He says, Therefore, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. That's sanctification in a nutshell right there. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you. Don't go touch it. Don't touch it. You touch it, and you become, you, we know that if you go back to the Levitical laws, you, you get close to any dead thing, unclean thing, declared by the Levitical law, you're declared unclean. Don't touch it. Okay, whatever it is in your life that would cause you to sin, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Get away from it. Run. Do you know in the beginning there, in Genesis, Cain and Abel, as they were there, is that he says, God says to Cain, he says, where's your brother? He goes, I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. And as, as he's there, and God is speaking to him, God challenges him and he challenges, his, he challenges, challenges him to come clean. Give him an opportunity to come clean. But he doesn't. So the Spirit of God is moving here in this instance. And the, the, the love of God is right there with Cain. Did you know God loved Cain? He loved him. And yet he was giving him an opportunity to turn and to come out from the darkness. But he didn't turn. So God has given us a, a, a cause and effect in election, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Be separate, says the Lord. The evidence of sanctification is manifested in the life of the believer. Let me say that again. The evidence of sanctification is manifested in the life of the believer. I want you to notice there is a chain link, if you want to say this from in these words that are used in verse 2. Election, sanctification, and obedience are words that come out in there. If you are set apart, if you're sanctified, there should be because of your election, there's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your life that's separating you. Touch not the unclean thing. It should be something that's happening in us. And then it equals obedience. The challenge. I call them the three C's. There's the conviction. There's the challenge. And then there's the comfort. If you listen to the conviction. Yes, Lord. I am. I'm guilty. And then you go to the challenge and you listen to the challenge and you allow the challenge to work in your life. There's hope now. 
And then you turn and you repent and you walk away and not touch that unclean thing. Romans 8 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's what changes us. He is what changes us. And it's in those moments that we can choose. Joshua, you know, he said, choose this day whom you will serve. Either the gods on the other side of the river or the Lord. But as for who? Me and my house. We'll serve the Lord. We're going with God. We're going to let him be the master and the commander. Philippians says this in 2.13. We all know this one. I mean, a lot of these are just, you know, singing to the, to the choir, you know. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. As sanctification takes place in our lives through the election and obedience and there the cleansing of, the, of, of our lives through the Holy Spirit, there should be a difference. There should be a difference. There should be, as, as you walk with the Lord, the, the evidence of sanctification that you've been set apart, it should be evident. It should be evident. But you ask, what about when we sin, Pastor Dan? Because there's none who don't sin. We all sin. We all mess up, don't we? And we need help. We need grace. We need mercy. What do we do? The Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all sin. But I want you to notice something here. There's hope in this verse 2. But notice that it's where this, this is where the sprinkling of the blood comes in. Through sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and, that's an important word there, sometimes we skip over some of these conjunctions that, that we just kind of pass them, and it's joined to obedience, sprinkling of the blood. The sprinkling of the blood is, is found in Leviticus. For the life is in the blood and I've given it to you as an atonement upon the altar. So when we come and we bring our lives and we say, yes, Lord. We turn from our sins. We acknowledge our sins. That Jeremiah says, only acknowledge your sins. That you've cast your charms before the alien deities. That you've, you've cast your place where you shouldn't have gone. Now come and turn. God says, turn. You know, we need messages like this. I need messages like this. Because there are things that are, you know, we don't know. Only the Spirit of God knows what's in the hearts of men. I don't know what's going on with you. But God does. And he sees. And he's saying, turn. And he will come and draw you out in those living waters of his love. Notice where the sprinkling of the blood, it comes in in that sanctifying work that is constantly taking place in your life. I need the constant covering of the blood of God, of His Son. I need that constant work in Him. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of the blood that cleanses our lives as we acknowledge our sins. Only acknowledge your sins. Do you know what, when God says there to Jeremiah, when he says only acknowledge your sin, all he's saying is saying, agree with me. 
That's all God's saying. He's saying, agree with me that you have gone wrong. Agree with me. Now come with me. And I'll make you right. I'll turn everything all around for you. And I love the way that Peter finishes his introduction. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I don't know about you, but I sure need grace and peace. I sure need a lot of grace in my life. I need a lot of peace in my life. He uses these two words. And it's interesting why and how he uses these two words. Uh, Grace was a Gentile word that Gentiles would use to greet one another. And we know that grace basically is unmerited favor. Well, that's kind of an insult when you come up to somebody. You go, well, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Well, the same right back at you. Grace. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you. So th- that was the Gentiles greeting one another. Oh, what, about the, what about the shalom? Why did the Jews say shalom? Is it shalom? Is it shalom? You find in Scripture they'd say, is it peace? If it's peace, you know, let you die and everybody else. You know, it was kind of like, whoa, we have a conflict going here. Is it shalom? Is it shalom? So in other words, when he says grace and peace, he's directing it not just to a general audience. He's talking it to two specific categories, Gentiles and Jews. Colossians talk about the wall being brought down. Well, the wall wall that separated the two is gone. We're all one in Christ. Whether Jew or Gentile, we are all one in Christ. And now, since you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have been grafted in, and now we are inheritors of the kingdom of God based upon the inheritance of the life of Christ. Wow, we get everything. When we see him, we shall be like him, and we will know him. When Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? Well, he walked through the walls. Do you want to walk through walls? You want to ascend? Yeah. There's glorious things that are ahead for these bodies that are going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. There's, there's glorious things ahead for us. And so he gives this salutation to them and is an introduction. Now, uh, some will tell you what you have to do for God, but then there are others that uh, they tell you what God's done for you. You know, Peter jumps right in and that's what he does. I want to tell you what God has done for you. And he says, blessed be the God and Father, in verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. If there's anything that you underline in your Bible, that should be underlined and highlighted and should be a big, big part of what you're looking at. Abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. And, and, and. It's all connected. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter conveys this awe as he does. 
he's talking about the awesome work that, that God has accomplished through his son Jesus. How he has saved us and it's through this abundant mercy. Mercy has been described and you've more than likely through the years have heard this, this application, this setting. It's been described as a court setting. And the judge has been at, in, in his uh, seat of judging. And in comes the, the convicted. And the convicted, he has to pass judgment on this individual. And as he looks out and he passes judgment because it was, evidence was overwhelming that he's guilty. Only thing that's different is the guilty party was his son. And so what does he do? He steps down and we are the son. We are the daughter. We are the ones guilty. We deserve hell. We deserve to be blistered. But the kindness and mercy and the abundant mercy of our great God in his judgment, he has to be just. He is a just God, but he's also a merciful God. In that he has got, he's, he's stepped down from his position as judge and he's taken the position of his son and paid the penalty because he, he's a just God and the penalty had to be paid. He stepped down and became the one who became sin for us. He paid your price and he paid mine. And not only has he saved us by that mercy, but he's begotten us, as you look there, to a, a, a whole new life, a begottenness to a living hope, a second chance. But notice that that, that second chance, that new hope is only found in the resurrected Christ. He is our living hope. It is Jesus. And because he lives, we also shall live. Our future rests on the very fact that Christ rose from the dead. Paul said, if Christ is not risen, we are most pitiful. We're to be pitied. But he has risen. And we say that on Resurrection Sunday. He has risen and everybody responds by saying, Risen indeed. He is our abundant mercy. And I want to show, I want to share with you a verse that goes along with this, the abundant mercy is Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. The word uttermost literally means past the vanishing point. How far is that? He is able to save to the uttermost, past the vanishing point, to those who, for those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Every time we turn around, it's always God stepping in for us. It's always God coming to our rescue. It's always God who is saying, not guilty. The enemy of the accuser of the brethren is saying, guilty, 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 guilty. And Jesus is stepping up and saying, the blood, Father, the blood. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. The propitiation has taken place. You are free. You are free. And the Lord has stepped in to be our advocate, our intercessor. And he's able to save to the uttermost. Whatever that is, wherever it is, and whatever you need, there it is. 
But also there's more. The hope that we have in Christ is a hope that comes with a guarantee. When he conquered sin, death, and hell and rose from the dead, he locked in a promise. You want to know what that is? That promise is that wherever he is, we will be also. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. If he rose, will we rise? Yeah. I hope you will. (laughs) You're trusting in him. If he rose, we'll rise. We'll be with him. And that's our hope. Whether rapture or whether death, we are in him. And the promise is, as Paul said, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know, there's a moment that every one of us is going to have uh, 100 out of 100 people die. So there is a moment at that moment when we take our last breath, and we close our eyes for the next, the next thing we're going to see in the redemption of this body is Jesus. He's called us to come and be with him. And when you do, absence here, okay, this body's going to lay down. But then it's going to be raised and be in the presence of the Lord and you'll see Jesus. Isn't that going to be exciting? You know, you, you ever thought of what it's like to look at Jesus pupil to pupil? That's scary, man. The fire you, you, you read about in the book of Revelation. You know, he's got this fire. You, you know, they have these new uh, uh, effects that they do on some of these movies. And they... <laughs> like Superman, he's... You know, well, that's really close to when Jesus... He's going he's gonna to blast those that coming out of his mouth. Wow, a mighty two-edged sword? Whoa! That's God. But yet when he looks at you, is it going to be fire of judgment or is it going to be love and compassion? It's going to be love and compassion. Looking at at the Savior King, just know this and confidence in this, the Savior King is going to look at you with compassion and great love. He's going to look at you and care for you as the good shepherd cares for the sheep. That's our God. But our hope in Jesus isn't like the hopes of this world. The hope that this world say to us, hey, um, just have faith. Faith in what? Uh, Oh, hope you have the best. Good luck. You know, that's the hope of the world. That's there's no substance. I'm going to tell you this, that our God is a God of substance. Hebrews 11.1 tells us so for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My hope is on the substance of Jesus Christ. My hope is in the, uh, in the risen Savior. And that's where we look. Where's your hope? Look in, look in your heart. Where's your hope? Where are you resting? My hope is in Christ, in Christ alone, as we sang. Psalm 138, verse 2, is a very interesting verse. And it says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. This is this last part. 
For you have magnified your word above all your name. Do you know what that means? That means that he has magnified his word. In other words, you can take his word, whatever he has spoken to you as a promise, he said he's even taken it and put it above his name. And we know that his name is above all other names. So his word, God is saying, my word is more important. Because if you do not match up with your word, if you do not honor your own word, your name means what? Mud. Your name is mud. So God knows that. If he doesn't back up his, his, his word, his name is at stake. And his name will be honored forever, ever. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today to, to, and to forever. Uh, Malachi, I love Malachi. For I am the Lord, I do not change. And that, that's our God. He doesn't change. I, if he has a design desire to save you, he's going to do that. But I want you to notice how our inheritance wasn't left here with us. Because if it was left here with us, I think it would sit back and somebody would mess it up. You know, we'd mess it up. Somehow or somebody would mess it up. But why was it left and why was it taken and put in safe in that safe vault of heaven? Because there's no other secure place than heaven. There's no more secure place. Can can the enemy go in there? Nope. He can't go in there. So the security of our inheritance has been reserved and set apart and put there for us. You can go to a restaurant. They may lose your reservation. But I'll tell you, God will never lose your reservation. He's got it all set. So our reservation has been kept in heaven for you, Peter says. Who are kept by the power of God. Through the faith of salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now we may not see the fullness of a redemption today. But one day we will. Soon. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that with the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. For we have, for we were saved in this hope. And he's bringing out the hope here. And he's tying it in here with Peter. We were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what, is, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So as we abide in our relationship with God by faith in Christ. One day we will see the fullness of our inheritance in Christ. We will see it. It will be presented to you. Jude says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. With exceeding joy. In other words coming attractions. The fullness of our salvation. So if you're here this morning and you feel like. It's all been on me. I feel like a, I've got good for news for you. The Father has you. The Father has you in his grip. And remember what he's done for you. According to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to the living hope through the resurrection. He's done it. But Pastor Dan, my life is a mess. My life has fallen apart. I've lost everything. And it seems like every time I call on the Lord, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't answer. 
I suggest going to Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah 17 and read the whole chapter. The first portion of the chapter is kind of heavy, but, but be persevering, endure. By the time you get to the end, you're just going to go, wow, wow, wow. God wants you to know that none of his circuits are busy. None of his channels are, are blocked. He's there and he's working in your life. You may be going through a, a heavy trial right now. Remember the scripture, he works everything together for the good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. It's tough. There's nothing about this life as a Christian that's gonna, that says that it's going to be milk, toast, and pansies. Jesus said that it's gonna, we're going to have persecution. We're going to have tough things. But it's he who endures to the end. At Psalms 121, verse 4. Behold, because he's working. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He never stops working. John said this in John chapter 5, verse 17. And this is all to, so that to build our faith, God's about building your faith and trust in him. Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. He never stops. He also wants to remind you what Jesus said to us that in Matthew 10, he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Let go. Some point you're going to have to let go and let God. Why not today? You can be a believer and still be hanging on to stuff. Maybe you're here and you haven't really ever accepted Christ as your Savior. The time is now. We need to come to Christ. I need to keep coming to Christ. There's a constant refilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we need. So God is calling you to enter into his rest. I challenge you to read Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. To enter into the rest that he has for you. The rest is, is that place in Christ. Resting in Jesus. But just know he's got his firm grip on you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And to the Thessalonians, he says, uh, Paul says, he who calls you is faithful, he will also do it. He will. Maybe your heart's overwhelmed. Well, this last one's for you if your heart's overwhelmed. Psalm 61, 2. When my heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Lead me to the rock. Zayden, we're Zayden. Why don't you come on up and lead us in the last song for worship and then I'll close and then uh, we can have time of fellowship. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but 
holy trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again, my hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, Weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil my anchor holds within the veil alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all He is Lord of all, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the With trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne, Christ
Lord, your master, your king, this is your domain, Lord. All belongs to you. And we come. You are our living hope. You are the one that we trust. So we commit ourselves to you and just ask that you would take our hearts now, Lord God, and lead us and guide us and strengthen us so that, Lord, we can go into this world and be a light, Lord, to those around us and where we are. Thank you, Father, for each one here. I pray that you would bless and keep and watch over each one as we uh, just go out into the mission field, Lord, to go out and be a part of the community. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, are you ready? Okay. The Lord bless thee. Lord bless thee. And keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give give thee peace you know that comes from leviticus and that the that uh, moses would say and this is how you shall bless the people so we use that to turn around when you sing that it's you're pronouncing a blessing on one another isn't that cool that's cool god does that shalom if you have a need i tell you if you don't know jesus christ as your savior we want to come and we want to pray for you and lead you in an understanding of your great God and Savior who loved you with his whole life. If you're here and you need healing, if there's something, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit and I believe the healing is a part of one of those things. And if you need healing, we want to, we want to invite you to come forward. This portion of this stage right here, that's an altar. You want to, you want to receive healing. You want to receive a touch you want to have a move of God you want salvation we want to be a full service fellowship you know we want to take care of whatever your needs are so shalom go out in the peace of God and let that love shine all around and let people know that God loves them and you love them too so if you have a need come on up and we'd be glad to pray for you this morning especially if you need salvation all right God bless you